Hey there, this is Steve Lee with Veritas Catholic Network. In one month, for the week of October 5th through 9th, Veritas is having our first ever on-air pledge drive. You might know that Catholic radio stations depend heavily on pledge drives to keep their operations going. We want to stay on the air. We want to keep bringing you the tremendous programming you've come to expect from us. We want to keep growing. This is your station. As Mother Angelica used to say, this station is brought to you by you. So please keep listening, spread the word about Veritas, get your friends to listen, and keep your station going strong by supporting us next month during our pledge drive. In the meantime, you can always find more information at www.veritascatholic.com. All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank. I'm very happy to introduce the great Bishop Frank Caggiano. Great. Ooh, you're exaggerating, my friend, but I appreciate the accolade. <laughs> it's great to be with you, Steve. I enjoy our conversations very much. Thank you, Excellency. As always, as you know, uh, I feel the same. Um, and, you know, we're, we're diving into a really important topic this week, uh, one that actually is at the heart of why Veritas exists and um, also comes to the core of our responsibilities as Catholics. Um, and you've mm-hmm. talked about this quite a lot, um, and it's our Christian duty to evangelize. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think many people still are confused as to what that means and may be surprised that they're actually doing it um, un- unwittingly, if I may put it that way. So if we're going to have this conversation, which we will, I think mm-hmm. we have to kind of spend some time defining our terms as best we can to yes. the extent that you can define them, right? Yes. So, so we talk about evangelization, we talk about the new evangelization, we talk about missionaries and missionary activity, and like, how does it all hang together? Right. Right? And you and I have spoken about how the very word gospel means good news, literally. And the evangelization is the good news. It is proclaiming the good news. It's proclaiming the gospel. It's proclaiming the charisma. Ultimately, that's what it is. We've complicated it. We've written, gosh, you know how many books on evangelization you could fill the Library of Congress. But it is actually a fairly simple concept. Okay, is by word and witness to proclaim one's faith in Jesus Christ and to invite others to encounter him so they may come to a faith in him. We as Catholics add to that, that in order to encounter the Lord, the privileged way is through the church, which is his presence in the world. So while you can encounter God in many different ways, you're gonna encounter the Lord in his fullness in and among the people who form his community, the church. So evangelization is meant to take an individual and plant them into the heart of a family who will accompany them and love them, and all the while walking with Jesus. Now, easy to say, how do we do that, right? We have to contrast it though, I think, with this whole idea of a new evangelization. So if we've been doing this since the Lord walked the earth, what's new, and we've talked about this too, is some of the ways and means and forms that contemporary world gives us. And case in, in fact, Veritas is a perfect example of a medium by which we can not only talk about faith, but introduce people to the person of the Lord in ways that 150 years ago and before didn't exist. You couldn't even imagine. That. Right, yes. Right? And the service that Veritas gives is that it goes into into the presence of people who oftentimes perhaps will be listening to other information or other things on the radio if they're sitting in their car or traveling to work, which we'll talk about later. But now we're putting Jesus in their midst. So Jesus is coming to sit right next to you in the car. What a guest. (laughs) And and the invitation is, don't ignore me. (laughs) Right? Right? Let's talk. Let's talk. Yeah, and, and so that's really what we're talking about. The, um, so how do we do that? Uh, let's just come to the conclusion from the get-go is that everybody is obligated to do that who is baptized. 
right? It's not a choice in addition to. So it would be the equivalent of saying, I loved my mother, but I would do nothing on my mother's behalf. Mm -hmm. Well then, did I really love my mother, right? If you truly love someone, certain things happen that naturally happen, right? Yes. And so evangelization should naturally flow from being incorporated into the body of the Lord through baptism and to have the gift of the Holy Spirit indwelling in one's heart. So it, it seems to me that the very first thing we have to agree on is that whether you're a bishop, a priest, a deacon, a religious, a lay person, a doctor, a lawyer, a parent, a door catcher, I don't care what you do. Every moment of every day is graced because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit in baptism. And therefore, every moment of every day in every circumstance, ordinary and extraordinary, is an opportunity to address, to allow those around us to see through us and encounter the person of Jesus. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Just like the apostles in the, in the book of Acts, every day they were in the temple and at home, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Right. And again, notice the difference. Teaching and preaching. So hmm. what's the relationship between the two? Fascinating, right? In my mind, preaching is breaking open the word of God. So I am a preacher of the word of God. But the truth be told, my preaching is as effective as the relationship I have established with the people with whom I am praying. And while preaching is not meant to be self-revelatory, it is meant to create a relationship so that the teaching can occur. The passing on of the truths of our faith. And many times those truths are not easy to live, but they fill in, they round out, if you will, a Christian life. Mm-hmm. So you preach the word of God and then allow the truth of the word of God to literally walk over in and through you so that those who are being engaged can be also means to encounter. Because truth has to make a claim on you. It's not rational alone. It's making a claim on you. Jesus is claiming you yes. and asking of you a particular way of life. Right? So you may say, okay, I am not a preacher of the gospel. I don't go up in the pulpit every Sunday and, and whatever. So how do I start this process? What do you think, Steve? How, how do you preach? You as a father, as a business person, as the leader of Veritas, how do you preach, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess it starts with uh, the example and how I live my life. And mm-hmm. then when people say, what's going on with you? Why do you do that? Why are you so happy? Then it, mm-hmm. it comes to, to preaching. Right. So that's the, the great model ascribed to St. Francis of Assisi, that everyone preaches who bears witness to Christ because he would say, um, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. So even though the formal act of preaching is to the ordained, the preaching that comes from baptism is everyone's responsibility. And since actions speak louder than words, to your point, very well said, your witness is your preaching. Now consider, how many venues do you have therefore to witness to your faith? Or better yet, ask the question, is there any venue where you do not witness to your faith? Yeah, I mean, it feels like there should not be. Correct, right, at every moment, in every circumstance. So if I could be a little controversial here, I have gotten many a letter over the years complaining about preaching offered by priests on Sunday. I know it's a shock, yes. <laughs> I've gotten letters complaining about my preaching <laughs> sent to me. <laughs> Things that people didn't like, or whatever it was. Okay, if we are all in the generic sense preaching from the font of our baptism, how ineffective have we all been at one time or another? Hmm. Because our witness falls short. Yeah. Right? 
Now, that would be an interesting question to ask everyone before they pen their, their letters about the preaching of others in the formal sense, which they have a right to have done effectively, well, biblically inspired to lead them to faith. Absolutely, that's the responsibility of the deacons, priests, and bishops, without a doubt. But we are all guilty of preaching ineffectively according to our witness. Yeah, every day for me. Right? And me too. Yeah. And is that part of the reason why society seems so lost? Because where's the preaching in the public square? Right. And you know, and, 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 and again, not to get too controversial, but sometimes in the public square, we understand preaching as advocacy. We understand preaching as very much intentional and direct, um, espousing a particular moral teaching of the church. That is all necessary. But even that will not convert hearts unless there are relationships built by witness. Because you just don't want a person to obey the moral law. You want a person to love the moral law because by loving the moral law, you are loving the author of it, who is Jesus Christ. Hmm. So it's a great first step, but we have to keep going. So I think the responsibility we all have as the baptized is to first live lives of witness that have integrity, lives that are clearly and unambiguously faithful to Jesus, and to your point, to be a joyful witness. If that happens, then when the occasion comes that someone intrigued, attracted, fascinated with you know, this guy, Steve Lee, and they make it their business to spend more time with Steve Lee, then suddenly, when Steve has the opportunity to say, and you know what, by the way, you see that, that what you're doing, you know that's really hurting you for this, this, and this reason? They will listen. They will listen. And that's effectively teaching the gospel which is what evangelization is all about. The struggle in the modern world is how do you do it effectively mm -hmm. with all the obstacles we have, including what technology brings and diminished attention span and addictive behavior modification and all the stuff that's going on with uh, militarizing social media. We've talked about all this. But yes. in the end, it's that relationship. So I'm a firm believer that if you want a concrete way to evangelize, it can only be concrete if you're imagining specific people. That evangelization is really meant to be one person at a time. Uh -huh. So who is the one person in your life that you say to yourself, you know what, I've been meaning to, I wanted to, I've been planning to, no outreach. To reach out in true sincerity yeah. and offer the first step towards a relationship and bring that witness because if that relationship, if it begins to grow, then evangelization could take place. Don't we all have people like that? Yeah. You know, Excellency, for, for you and for me in my workplace, in your workplace, since we mm -hmm. work for Catholic organizations and mm -hmm. you specifically with the church, um, it's, not, it's not as uh, tricky to bring up faith and Jesus Christ as it is for somebody who might work for a big uh, company. What, what do you think is the best way for people to, to evangelize without um, getting in trouble? Getting Besides, in trouble you know, meaning? So, so obviously, as you're saying, you have to act a certain way, be honest, treat people fairly with kindness and gentleness, um, uh, make up for your mistakes. But, when when someone approaches you in the workplace and says, you know, what's going on? How do you bring up Jesus in a way that is still, you know, quote, PC um, in the workplace? Well, PC, we, we should not worry about as Christians. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay, because we stand before God. God's not going to ask you, were you politically correct? <laughs> Nor does he care. Right. Right. So let's start with that. Yes. However, what you really, I think, perhaps are concerned about, and rightfully so, is how do I use this moment the most effectively as possible to reach this person? Yes. 
right? And quite frankly, there is no set answer to that. Again, remember Emmaus. Emmaus, the Lord did not speak about himself for a while. Mm -hmm. But he established a relationship where they felt comfortable. So what does that mean? When you become comfortable or familiar, you drop your defenses, you drop your guards. More of who you are shines forth. Not totally, but you begin to glimpse what a person's really struggling with. And when that happens, the person who is slowly revealing themselves to you also is discerning whether they can trust you. Hmm. So the more they can trust you, the more they would reveal. The more they reveal, the more you get to the heart of the matter that you need to effectively address yes. by accompaniment, by word, by silence, by shared tears, thousand different ways. But if you go to a fortress, how are you gonna get through the walls? We're gonna yeah. blow them up? And sure, you could do that in the military, blow them up, but we're talking about people's lives. So if the, if the walls are up, and we all have them, yes. honestly, we all have them. If the walls are up, then there's not gonna be an encounter because Jesus, that wall has to come down for the Lord to walk into somebody's life. Or, or to help them to realize he's already there on the other side of the wall. Yeah. So it's not a question of him coming, he's already there. Like, like I, I kind of foolishly said before, that he's sitting next to you in the car and you're ignoring him. We do that in the car all the time with our yeah. relatives, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. But, but, but he may, he's among the baptized, he is there. Yeah. Because he never leaves. Yeah. You can't be unbaptized, right? Even in mortal sin, you are a child of God. You, in mortal sin, you are definitely taking the road that may lead you to hell, mm -hmm. but you're still a child of God. Yeah. So the truth of the matter is, I think it's, it's how do we effectively do it? And, and let me complicate it further. How do you effectively do it with the people that you love the most? Like your children, yeah. or your wife, yeah. or she, you, or a mother or father, a sister or brother, who the familiarity is so familiar that it becomes an obstacle, right? Yeah. Because it, your best self can't hide the fact that in your history, your lesser self has shown through in spades. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, it seems like there's there's two um, hurdles that you're that you're faced with in your own family, and <laughs> one is that they've seen you lose your temper or mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people and myself included, you know, you put on a, a face for the outside world, and then you come home, you let your guard down, and you know, it's, you're not always the way you know you should be. And then the second hurdle is that um, uh, sometimes family members are more likely to, to listen to advice that comes from outside, a teacher or something else versus Correct. a parent right. or spouse. Right. And that's why it takes a village to raise a child. Not just a mother and father. It's a mother and father, a godmother and godfather, if that role is taken seriously. Grandparents extended family, neighbors, friends, and the parish family. Yeah. Someone will be able to get the wall down. It may not be you. So how often do we pray to send someone into the life of my sister or my son or my wife who can do what I cannot do? Yeah. Yeah, that's a real act of humility. But remember, evangelization is not that you and I are the savior of someone. Wrong, wrong, wrong. We already have a savior. You and I don't have to be the savior. We have to be the conduit of the water of his grace. And sometimes somebody can do it better than you can. So we pray for that person to meet whoever it is that needs that, that spark, that, yes. that, that I call it holy fascination. Have you ever met a person in your life that absolutely fascinates you? That yeah. the, more you the more you're with them, the more you wanna be with them, the more you're with them, the more you learn, the more, 
right? You've met people like that. Yes. Yeah. Now imagine if those people were all doing in the service of Jesus Christ. Imagine the lives that can be changed and touched yeah. and healed. Right? So everybody does it. You do it in different ways. It's done one person at a time. It's not a proposal or a program. It really is a way of life. It's a way of looking at life. It's the way of responding to life. You can't be evangelizing without gratitude. Stop complaining about what you don't have. When you die, you're going to leave it all behind. What are you wasting your time on? Honestly. Yeah. Right? But what about the things you do have? And even, you know, when you face the death of someone you love, you have the memories of a, of a life lived together, and you have the assurance of a faith in a Savior who will maintain his word that you will be together one day. What else? I mean... Yeah. So, all right, so I, I vote for the simple approach to all of this. Hmm? I, I wanted to ask you, so that's... We're talking about one-on-one um, -on -one evangelizing the people that we come in contact with. Mm -hmm. uh, St. John Paul II wrote um, in Redemptoris Missio, he wrote, No believer in Christ, no institution of the church can avoid the supreme duty to proclaim Christ to all peoples. So he said, no institution. So mm -hmm. as an institution, um, do, you think, do you think the church is right now today living up to this duty to, to do this? Uh, that's a very interesting question. And I think it has a very complicated answer. Mm -hmm. Because the church is not a monolith, right? When you right. speak of the church, you speak of every parish, every school community, diocese, the communion of dioceses, the Roman See, uh, the Holy See. Um, you, you talk about all the evangelical outreaches, all the ecclesial communities, right? You talk about all of the organizations that do mission in so many different ways, and on and on and on. The church is like a beautiful mosaic. Mm -hmm. And the truth be told, some parts of the church are doing far better than others. In the end, if you were to ask me how you could compare them to the extent that it's even fair to compare them, I think the more any institution within the church fosters relationship among people and uses those relationships with the power of the Holy Spirit to deepen each and every person's relationship with the Lord in and through one another, to that extent they are evangelizing well. Yeah. And you can see it in the pandemic because those parishes that are coming back mightily and faster than others are the ones that have cultivated relationships because whether they realized it or not, that is the root impulse of evangelization of preaching a good news. And if I may say this, if just if I may add this, in my understanding, which is my unique understanding, this is the way I uniquely describe it, okay? Evangelization principally is among Christians. And mission is among those who are not Christian, who may be of open mind and heart to Jesus Christ. And they are not, as we spoke about a few weeks ago, it's not the same thing. Yes. Right. So in that sense, I think for, for Christians to approach other Christians, the last piece of this puzzle for evangelization is that there are hurts and wounds there. Okay. You don't leave home always on the best of terms. Many times you leave home because you're angry or upset or you feel hurt or, mis or misunderstood. And many times we go out to evangelize where we're not gonna evangelize and deepen a relationship with Jesus until we help people to face and heal those wounds in, his, in, in the Lord's grace. Yeah. That's hard work. Yeah. And so uh, I'm hearing you say that really when it comes down to evangelization, um, it's not the duty of the institutional church as a whole, because 
it, it really comes down to us one-on-one as we started off this conversation. Because that's how you Absolutely. connect with people. That's how you introduce people to, to Christ. Absolutely. And therefore the institution becomes truly evangelical when enough of its members live that way. Yeah. And then, you know, the bureaucracy, the fact that we're kind of like stayed in our ways, that we're not always as creative and imaginative we can be, we don't use the means or the opportunities before us, all that stuff, will start to loosen up, will start to yield greater spiritual fruit if the people of God, yeah. right, have their own personal relationship with the Lord, deepen it, their own relationship with one another in the body of the church, and invite others to say, this is our home, come stay with us. Makes sense. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Excellency, we need to take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk about some of the works of evangelization here in our diocese. Great. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So. Let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank, featuring Bishop Frank Caggiano. Um, Excellency, you know, our conversation in the first segment, and it just brings to mind, it's occurred to me over the past few years, it's really possible for people to be catechized and mm-hmm. yet not evangelized. Mm-hmm. Big problem. Allow me to phrase it this way. You can know of Jesus, but not know Jesus. Yes. That's essentially what you have just described. Yes. That if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, which is what evangelization is meant to be, it's to be introduced. It literally means to fall in love with him. It's really what we're talking about in the end then you can know a lot about him. I know a lot about Abraham Lincoln, right? But uh, I I mean, I'm not in love with Abraham Lincoln, (laughs) okay? But I I am in love with the Lord, the Lord Jesus. So therefore, the difference is, I will learn about Lincoln because I love history, I'm curious about the Civil War, I'm curious about all the issues, okay? So I learn it from curiosity and knowledge, but the things I want to know about the people I love comes from a different font. Mm-hmm. It comes from love itself. And love desires, thirsts for the knowledge that comes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, young people we've spoken about, they are spiritual, but they're not religious. Right. Right. So the spiritual piece is that they're thirsting for a relationship with God. What they forget in that is that it's not just a personal experience. It's a communal experience. Yeah, And therefore, the, the uh, religious piece introduces you into something that you don't create on your own. Right. right. But leads you to a path. It's like building the highway before you drive it. I'd much rather be on the highway it was, it was already built for me if I want to get to where I'm going. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus gave us the church for a reason, so that it could lead right. us closer to him. Exactly. Even when it, the leadership of the church makes terrible mistakes, even when there are elements or members of the church who have caused scandal, but the church is far greater than all that. It's far greater than all of us combined. Yeah. It's the mystical presence of Christ in the world. Yep. Right? Okay. Excellency, so I wanna talk about some of the efforts that are going on here in in our diocese. Um, And since we're here, I guess I'll start just by pointing out that Catholic radio is one of the most effective means of evangelization out there. Um, that, that starts with the fact that as a medium, radio still dominates. So uh, Nielsen Research, they put out uh, media research every year, and they show that 93% of all Americans ages 18 and older listen to AMFM radio every week. And that's more than TV, smartphones, PCs, tablets. and the research actually shows that AMFM radio, it still reaches 94% of all teens, 97% of millennials, 98% of Gen X uh, every month. And the reason radio still dominates after all this time and with so many options out there is that radio is a part of your local community. 
it becomes a part of your life. And St. John Paul II, he used to talk about what he called the intimacy of radio. And he was talking about this, the, the relationship that listeners develop with their radios. We're doing it here, Excellency, because we get, I get letters all the time that say, um, I'm so happy I get to hear Bishop Frank every week. I feel like I'm getting to know him. And mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. and so, mm-hmm. you know, with that kind of reach, Catholic radio really can have a positive impact. And so we obviously, we have it here now. Uh, my promise to you when we started was that we would be a megaphone in this diocese for you and for all our good priests and that we'd help mm-hmm. extend the Sunday experience out to all seven days of the week. So I, I pray that we are doing that. Oh, it's tremendous. Veritas is a tremendous gift. And if it was not for your leadership, we would not have had it. And those who, who, who rallied around your initial vision, you know, um, it, it's interesting. When my mother was dying at Calvary, the attending nurse said to me, keep talking because hearing is the last thing to go. Hmm. It's the last sense to end. Then you read in the gospel, right, or in the, uh, in the New Testament, that how can someone come to faith if someone doesn't preach? It's in the hearing of the word yes. that people come to faith. Yeah. So radio is all about hearing. It's probably the most basic of the senses. It's essential to be introduced to the person of Jesus. And it can go like water goes in cracks. It could go in places that otherwise you could never access people, like stuck on the merit, right? going home, going nowhere fast. And, and radio accompanies you. Who doesn't do that, right? Yeah, yeah. And the, real, and the point is, many times we just stumble on something and it's kind of half mindless and it just fills in the void. But then you can really engage something meaningful. And that's what I think Veritas does. Yeah. And it forces people to ask some really good, important questions. Right? Yeah. The, Are you way, satisfied with year one, my friend? I'm very happy with year one. And uh, we've got a lot more to do over years two through 20. Okay. Give us a preview. What's the one preview? One preview. What are you planning for year two? Anything you can say? Yeah. Even this fall, um, we're going to be launching three new shows on the air. Uh, ah. one, yeah. One that's for teens teens on the air one that's Mm -hmm. for young adults we have four young adults who are going to be on the air Mm -hmm. and then one weekly half hour show that really focuses each week on a different um apostolate or initiative or something good that's happening here in our community so that's great great good you see it's growing yes yeah you know and and praying for more listeners yeah well that absolutely and this or in our drive coming up that's one of the things we have to focus in on is to get yes. more people listening. Yes. The one thing I will tell you is um, very few people who listen to this podcast recognize the sacrifices that you and the few that worked with you at the beginning, personal sacrifices that were made to give birth to Veritas, right? For which they don't, not, they don't need to know, but I know what they were. And I am extremely grateful for your heroic personal witness. We talk about witness and preaching. Well, that was screaming in preaching, (laughs) in faith, right? And you will be surprised, my friend, how many deaf people will come to hear because of of all that you have done, right? So I know there are times you wake up and say, wow. (laughs) (laughs) What am I doing? (laughs) Right, what do I do now? But, But as long as you continue to do what you've done year one this will continue to grow it yeah. will yield great fruit mm-hmm. yeah i pray i pray that that happens um mm-hmm. so we we have uh you know and and mother angelica used to say um when people said look at uh what you've done and i've done nothing compared to her but she used to say you know i'm just a coward who keeps moving forward and that's that's how I feel every day. Brutally honest, but yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, and that is why, my friend, in our diocese, we don't have an office of evangelization. Uh, well, uh, I was going to ask. Do- yeah, 
Yeah, we don't. We have a, we had we had a vicar for evangelization, Father Peter Towsley, who did a great job working with the ecclesial movements and communities and and trying to foster um, so a, a variety of programs to to help parishes to grow more vibrant. And uh, Father Towsley now is in Texas. He is um, undergoing a, a a year of training specifically for Paradisius Dei for strengthening family life. And he'll be back to share all that. Yeah. But you don't need an office because everybody's supposed to do it. So what do you need? It's like saying an office of having breakfast. I mean, everybody <laughs> should be doing it. <laughs> well, but the, yes, that's right. As you said in the first segment, but you do, there are many initiatives going on mm-hmm. here. You know, I know mm-hmm. like at St. John's in Stanford, they're going out uh, regularly doing street evangelization. Uh-huh. And theology on tap, my favorite. Yes. When you're in the midst of a bar, remember I told you young people are in bars, malls, and gyms. Yes. Yep. So you go into a bar and you confiscate a room with the owner's permission and you just give a brief presentation and just let it fly. Some of the most fascinating questions I have ever encountered that are far more self-revelatory than the asker realizes. Hmm. Um, we're in those venues and mostly young adults. Yeah. So, yeah, and they have, you do street evangelization. The ecclesial movements are doing tremendous work, right? One of them, for example, in the diocese is the neocatechumenal way. Right. Which is not always understood well, but in fact, they are an ecclesial movement. It's actually a community that was formed more than 50 years ago. And their version of evangelization is to bring back those who have lost hope, to bring back those who are deeply wounded in life, to allow Jesus to heal them because once they are healed, then the Lord has them for life. Remember, whoever, if you are dead, whoever brings you back to life has your allegiance. And they have no fear, none. You know, unfortunately, some of the seminarians this past summer contracted COVID-19 precisely because they were in mission. Wow. Right? In fact, as we speak, I can't return back to the seminary because two of the seminarians returned back COVID-19 positive. So the entire seminary is to quarantine for two weeks. Wow. So, um, so I can't return to my rooms. <laughs> That's all another story. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. Yeah, and there's also the diocese is also doing great work on social media. Oh yes, well yes, without a doubt, John Grosso is doing a phenomenal job of two things: of engaging those who are connected to us mm-hmm. effectively, and also helping to navigate. The times when, um, you know, the the waters are troubled. Yes. When people are using social media to try to espouse one thing or another or fighting amongst themselves, which, you know, the truth always lies somewhere in between. Mommy used to say, it's your truth, my truth, and the truth, (laughs) right? So, so it's, yeah, he does a great job of that. Yeah, yeah. And And sometimes he, he... he becomes attacked. He gets attacked himself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. That's yeah. That's part of one of the dangers of social media. But even um, even something as simple as on Twitter, uh, he puts out through the diocese. What can we pray for you uh, for today? That's mm-hmm. that's evangelization. That's right. Yes, because anything that lifts the mind to to the things of the spirit is evangelization. Yeah, right. And we have um, uh, bigger things. A couple of years ago, I saw you speak at the Connecticut Catholic Men's Conference. And, oh, about courage. Yeah, and that was yeah. that was a great talk. And this is a great conference. I think it's coming up in a couple of weeks. And yes. So yes. Yeah. So there's so much good stuff happening. The um, the Leadership Institute in the diocese. Yes. Tell yep. tell us a little bit more about that. The, the Leadership Institute is, the, is one of the fruits of the synod that we held as a diocese, and its purpose is to help catechize and evangelize 
adults throughout the diocese. Those in leadership and those in leadership in the church and those who are leadership in business or education or whatever it may be. Right? And it's really, in a sense, giving an opportunity for formation in person to foster those relationships that I'm talking about and also to give what I call the language of the faith. Hmm. Right? So that's the language that comes to us from the tradition. Mm-hmm. That's the language that, that the magisterium guards. That's the language that in many ways can give expression to what you're feeling or experiencing. Right? It's the truths of the faith. So, the, and, and they use technology. Uh, uh, Dr. Donovan does a great job of using technology to allow it to be easy and accessible to yeah. people. Yeah. Right? But he always insists on formation as well, that there be an element in person, that it not just be a delivery like this. Right. Right. I, I would like to ask you, uh, so we obviously, we have um, St. Paul, we have the apostles, uh, we can read about their evangelistic efforts in the books of A- Book of Acts, um, but mm-hmm. uh, for you, Excellency, who are some other great models of evangelization that we can look to for inspiration and example? Oh, top of the list is Francis of Assisi. Aha. Uh-huh. First of all, who has not heard of him in and out of Christianity? Yeah. Who honestly could not give to you a major characteristic of his life? So simple was his life. Yeah. So we talk now, under the guidance of our current Holy Father, about stewardship and the care of creation and all the rest. But 800 years ago, Francis was talking about that. Right? Yes. So in my mind... um, is radical poverty, radical simplicity, his deep reverence and respect for, ingratitude for the things God gave him, creation, nature, animals, the sun, the moon, even sister death, right? Mm-hmm. Speaks so powerfully to our heart. It lifts you to the spiritual that I think he's one of the great evangelizers. Yeah. In, in, in the way, kind of the way I see it. And fearless. Yeah, 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 without doubt, without doubt. In the contemporary world, more than likely, they would have tried to pigeonhole him into some sort of neuroses or some sort of something or other, or whatever else. Yeah. Because that is, those are ways that you could prevent grace from actually challenging you in your lifestyle. Right? As if those who are mentally challenged in any way cannot be prophets, that they can't speak the word of God, yeah. that they can't make God present. Of course they can. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so he is certainly one. And then, of course, you know, I'm biased. Um, the ancient church, the early church, the patristic church, has just towering, towering figures of evangelization. Yeah. Look at look at John Chrysostom imprisoned multiple times in his life. He was called the golden tongue for a reason. Mm -hmm. He preached fearlessly and paid the price for it. And yet his people loved him because that was a man who preached by his witness more than the words of which he was an eloquent speaker. Right. And in a time of controversy, within the church, not outside the church. So this controversy was not first and foremost with the emperor, and the, it was within the church itself. He did not mince words, and to be kind of blunt about it, we remember John Chrysostom, and what about all the people who, those countless people who fought against what he said? Where are they? Many of them, where are they? Yeah. Right? So in my mind, those are the evangelists. I guess really it's heroes are, evangel- are the most. The... Another example is Mother Teresa, Blessed yeah. Teresa, now St. Teresa of Calcutta. Okay? And despite all the attempts of contemporary world to sully her reputation, which have all failed, the truth is, 
who does not understand, see, recognize that she was in many ways an apostle to the poorest of the poor? The saint of the gutters. What a beautiful way of putting it, saint of the gutters. So when she challenged the president at the national prayer breakfast, he chose yes. to ignore it, but nobody else did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always think of her too, um, Excellency, because uh, obviously her goodness spoke far more uh, than any words could do, but she still never hesitated to use her words anyway. Right. With Right, and her words had power because of the integrity of her life. Yes. Many a glorious sermon has been preached by a man who did not leave a life of integrity, and they made little difference except entertain you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Who, who else in 93 or whenever it was could stand up besides this tiny little old lady to the president of the United States and say, stop killing babies. Right. Who else? Right, right, right. And meant it. Yeah. And meant it. Yeah. And you know what? And since we're on this topic, allow me just to to get this off my chest. We live in a world where, since none of us are perfect, that we want to reduce an entire life to what could seemingly be an act that could be misinterpreted or an act that taken out of context may seem strange or odd, right? And that is so dishonest. Mm. For no other reason, could you imagine if someone did it to you? What could they possibly pull out of your past, whoever you happens to be? So be careful the measure you measure out to others because it will be measured out to you. Yeah. Right? And admitting the fact that perfection lies only in the glory of heaven. To try to reduce someone, even the great among us, to perhaps some mistakes or even some sins that they may have committed and not see the larger picture of the heroic virtue of life that they lived is just really a, a testimony to a small-mindedness that we as people of faith have stand, we have said, that's enough. We're not going there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Excellency, let's take one more break. And uh, we have a question from a listener when we come back. Veritas Catholic Network is having our first ever pledge drive during the week of October 5th through 9th, and you can join the Veritas family. This is a big moment for us and for you because this is your station. As Mother Angelica used to say, this station is brought to you by you. So please help us make this first pledge drive a huge success. Spread the word and let's get as many people as we can listening to Veritas. And keep your station going strong by supporting us during next month's pledge drive. All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Uh, Excellency, this week, uh, I think it's a good one, really good one. Christina from Greenwich writes, Bishop Frank, besides your parents, who were some of the most important people in your spiritual journey? Wow. This is the question that can make me many enemies, <laughs> depending on how I answer it. Um, let me talk in generalities, if I may, because it is actually more apt to answer it that way. It's a great question. And I would have to say, there's at least two groups of individuals. Let me start with the, what I call the natural ones, that is, my entire family, way beyond my parents, because I always talk about my parents, but I'm blessed with an older sister who has two children. My niece has two children. Um, That family, my aunts and uncles growing up, all that extended family, which kind of bled into the neighborhood, were phenomenally important in my spiritual journey, in my faith journey because part of 
what we do as disciples is we learn to recognize Christ's presence more than just within the four walls of a church. Mm-hmm. He is the unseen guest, right? My extended family taught me that in so many different ways. So much so that recently my nephew spoke to me about the importance of tradition within families. Well, that's the collective memory that keeps forming, that we have to do a better job in my own family of retrieving before those traditions are lost. The other are the Jesuits, the Jesuits in high school, the Jesuits I had at Regis. Mm-hmm. Even though I did not want to go to Regis at the beginning, hated the idea, grew to love the school, but in large part, I grew to love the school because the Jesuits who were there were truly fathers in faith. Uh, no pushover, not a single one was pushover. But there was a sense of fatherhood, brotherhood, camaraderie among each other. I, I, I'm not, I was never in the military. My guess is that's the sort of thing you get in the Army or the Air Force or the Marines, right? Yeah. Um, and the Ignatian spirituality of leadership and the, the discernment of spirits and using your experience and all the rest made me, formed me into someone who's more perceptive, more, more intuitive, more affective, more um, reflective mm-hmm. that I've kept my whole life. Mm. So in many ways, I, I, I remember, I've shared this before, my father's philosophy about planting a tree if you don't get it right in the first few years. Same thing here. We will meet many important people in our journey of life, but the most important informative ones are the ones we meet earlier in life. Hmm. At least that's true for me. Yeah. So they would, they would be the two groups of people. And yeah. I didn't lose any friends in answering the question, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as, as you've said before, Excellency, um, you also, or you, the listeners out here, you could be that person for somebody Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And sometimes it happens naturally. In our modern world, I think it has to happen more and more intentionally. To be purposeful about it. To be present and to be formative of someone else, especially the young. Yeah. Who intuit more than they cognate. Right? Mm-hmm. They recognize more than they reason. Yes. And that's important. Yeah. So they see... That's a great they question. See, they see the beauty and the goodness sometimes before they see the truth. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and Paul wrote to the Romans, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. So... And which is us. Yes. So, okay. So if you're listening and you have a question for Bishop Frank, send it in either on the Veritas app or on social media, or you can always email questions at VeritasCatholic.com. Uh, you can find Bishop Frank Caggiano on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Veritas is there as well. Excellency, would you please give us your blessing before you go? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come to us, Lord, this day, and bless our hearts with your joyful presence that we may go forth into the world and be witnesses and preachers of your loving life in our midst. And we ask that you bless us, bless our listeners, and all those whom they love. For we ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my friend. I'll see you next week. Thanks, Excellency. See ya.